Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And so I, I think that's the difference that leadership can make is when, you know, you feel safe with someone and they challenge you and they say, I know you thought this was your level. I actually see you going here. Mm. You got this. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is a beautiful day here in Pennsylvania, and I am on my way to the great state of Maine, where we will be recording and broadcasting for the next four weeks from a cabin in the woods. Now, I hope that I will be able to fill you in on some of the adventures of living and working remotely over the next month, so stay tuned to hear some of that. As a reminder, Deep Leadership is brought to you by our two sponsors, Ignite Management Services, led by Mike. Watson, who you might remember from episode 137, and Liberty Strength, led by Jeremy Clevenger, who was a guest on episode 145. These sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week for free, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about how to create a high-performing team, and my guest is Maureen Falvery. Maureen has led teams in the advertising space for more than 25 years and now coaches leaders on how to get the most out of their teams. This was a fun discussion, uh, and I learned a lot from Maureen, and I know you will as well. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Maureen Falvey. Maureen is a leadership coach and consultant who works with high-potential individuals and organizations. She spent more than 25 years leading advertising teams who partner with some of the world's largest brands, including Procter & Gamble, Unilever, Kraft, General Mills, United Airlines, and others. Maureen currently coaches individuals, groups, and teams to accelerate their growth realize their potential, and live and work with greater purpose and passion. And I am excited to have her on the show today to talk about what it takes to create a high-performing team. So Maureen, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. I'm so happy to be here and so thrilled to talk about one of my favorite topics. So that's a great introduction. I appreciate it. 
Absolutely. It's so great to meet you and so great to, to, to learn from you and from what you're doing with leaders. And uh, again, this is this show is about helping leaders see leadership and all different facets of leadership. And, and I'm excited to learn from you today. And one of the things I want to start out with is you've spent a lot of time as a leader and working for leaders. So what did you learn along the way about leadership during all those years in advertising? Hmm. <laughs> Things that I didn't know when I first started, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, how important listening is, how important it, it is that we make people feel seen and heard and know that they matter. Um, and I think when I got started, I hope this is changing. I see it changing. But the, the, the brief was you now lead a team. And so you're supposed to know stuff. Hmm. Or at least pretend that you do. Uh, and tell people what to do and not admit that you're human and imperfect and fallible. And I think that's changing. I think we see now if we are trying to lead people in a direction, the best thing we can do is start by practicing situational humility, um, admitting when we don't know, creating safety for people to try stuff and fail. Um, and that is the single biggest factor in the teams that I see thriving and the ones that are stuck or in self-preservation mode or uh, kind of hiding out. They just don't give as much because it's too scary. Mm. Well, why do you think that is? I know when I first I got my first plant uh, as a manufacturing um, you know, plant manager at 32 years old. And I, I fell into that trap. I thought I had to have all the answers. Uh, I was the boss. I was the guy in the corner office, right? Why do you think leaders think that they, you know, they they play that thing where they they have they think they have to know all the answers? Is just is it because they are playing the part of leader, like they're faking it, if you will, or why do you think that is? It's kind of interesting because, like you said, when you are more humble, when you are more willing to say, "I don't really know the answer," but you've been here ten years. What do you think? Uh, but I, I know I struggle with that in the beginning as well. So wh why do you think that is? Just, you know, any thoughts on that? I think it's that um, the opposite of the growth mindset. I think the more senior we get, the more we move into that proving mindset where you're like, wait a minute, I have been here for 10 years. People have an expectation of me. And you might have made all of that up in your head. <laughs> yes, you do know some things and you're still learning some other things. Yes, you're excellent at maybe these three strengths, but you're still working on that other thing. And the more that we can say that to other people, I, um, you may find this interesting. I used to run these sessions at all of my ad agencies called If I Knew Then What I Know Now. Yeah. And I would get the senior most people like C-suite only to get on my panel and talk about falling on their face, um, not to lecture, not to give advice, but say, here's where I screwed up. Here's what I learned and here's and, and that's really very linked to why I'm sitting before you now as this CSO, CFO, CEO, because I got better. Um, and if we pretend that we didn't make the mistake or we spend so much energy never making one to begin with, you're not going to grow and you're never going to get there. Um, and so when I ran those sessions, they were standing room only every time. Um, we're so drawn to the human experience and as leaders, we don't give that up as often as I'd like for us to. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it talks to authenticity, which is a big factor in 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 leading people. Because when you show the human side of it, people say, "Oh, this is a person. I I I can trust them." Right? It's not fake, phony. You know, um, putting on an act. It's the real person that you're dealing with. So 
Yeah. And imagine all of the time that we spend proving or protecting if that were transferred into creativity, innovation, collaboration, building. Oh, my God, we'd be unstoppable. Mm, So true. So true. So so in your opinion, you know, you've seen a lot of teams um, operate with good leaders, with bad leaders. Uh, In your opinion, why is leadership important? <laughs> I know it'd be messy without it. That's for sure. I went to a concert on July 4th, John, and there was, um, I, I was just watching the conductor as it relates to leadership. And I kept thinking what would happen if he wasn't there, <laughs> yeah. you know, people just be playing different notes and it'd be a big mess. So I think it's for organization, but I think leadership, I think it's about accountability as well. When we say out loud to someone else, our boss, you know, whatever that means, but we say out loud what we want to someone else and that person gets to hold us accountable. It's an awesome responsibility. And, you know, I had this guy uh, that I was coaching once and he said, Oh, I'm getting promoted now. I said, you don't seem very happy about that. And he said, no, no, I am. This is my dream of a lifetime, but now I'm the boss of people that, that were my friend before. I don't know how to do that. And I said, what if you thought about your title a little differently? What if you were simply their accountability partner? for helping them grow, for helping them become the best version of themselves, for helping them overcome the stuff that's in their way. And he was like, yeah, I can do that. Of course you can, because they're your friend. Mm. Um, So I think that leadership is important as it relates to accountability, um, for setting the direction, and absolutely for creating the safety to just go nuts and tap into that last bit that we don't usually give to people. I feel like there's 20%, I'm making this number up, but 20, 25% of ourselves that we hold back and you're only going to get that from me if you make it safe for me to try stuff. So I think leadership is about creating that safety as well. I love that. And you, you know, so what um, what motivates employees to do their best work? I know we've got a lot of problems. We have like 70% of employees are sort of disengaged at work. and But yet there's some leaders that have the ability to get employees to just give you that, that extra 20% as you were talking about earlier. So what, what motivates employees to do their best work? Everything I've just said, and um, (laughs) I will share with you that I ask people in my coaching all the time to tell me about their best day at work. Mm. And they never talk about the money. And I want people to be paid in line with their, I mean, I'm not saying money doesn't matter, but they never tell me about the money. They've never told me about the big promotion. I know that's also important to all of us, but they almost always tell me a story about a time when they mastered something that was hard uh, and their boss trusted and believed in them. And so I, I think that's the difference that leadership can make is when, you know, you feel safe with someone and they challenge you and they say, I know you thought this was your level. I actually see you going here. Mm. You got this. And, you know, I hear people complaining a lot. My generation, really, they're like, oh, Gen Z, they're letting themselves off the hook. They don't do the work. They just want vacation days. I don't buy into that for a second. I would say to any leader who's like, why aren't my people, whatever, I want you first to just look back and say, am I creating the conditions for people to care? Mm. Am I empowering people? Am I giving them the meaty projects that are just outside their comfort zone with some safety? It's am I believe in you. Um, nobody wants an easy day. Nobody ever tells me, oh, it was the day that things were easy. It was the day I was at the beach. You know, we want to grow. So that's what I think the, le- the leadership potential is, is when you can create those conditions, set a high standard, bring that safety um, and then get out of the way. 
I love that you say that because I think it's one of the things I touch on um, in my books as well is like um, our good, our people want to be challenged. They want to, yeah. they want to be given a tough assignment, but they also, like you said, they want to have a leader that has their back in case something goes wrong. Uh, but they want to be able to stretch and learn and do something that's even sometimes difficult. And I've been, I'm that person, right? So, you know, I did 22 years in corporate leading eight different manufacturing businesses. And the reason they put me there is they realized I needed a challenge. So they always put me in the toughest places that yeah. turn around, but that was me. Like, if you didn't do that, I'd leave and go some find some other exciting thing to do. So I wanted that challenge. I needed that challenge. I lived on that. And mm-hmm. so my bosses were smart enough to give me assignments that, that, tapped into that weird energy I have to want to fix things that are broken. Right. And so, (laughs) but, but we need to look for that in our own people and say like, okay, you know, let's give, let's give good people challenging assignments and, and, and let them bring their best to work. I I love that you said that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that's, that's right on. I'm just now thinking about your bosses and your leaders and how they knew to do that and their level of listening and their care. Um, because it's such a win-win. Look at what happened in that, in, in working with you, is that you got to do the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning, yeah. and they got someone who was highly productive and made stuff happen. Everybody wins, you know, but we don't, we don't ask our employees, how do you want to grow? Mm. Right? What do you need from me in order to do that? And then you start the accountability by when. Mm, what yeah. if anything's in the way? Can I help you move it? You know, it's like a coach approach to leadership. Um, but those people tapped into that. And or maybe, John, you advocated for what you needed. Maybe you were that smart employee who said, I don't want you trying to figure me out for six months. I'll tell you right now, I like a challenge. <laughs> yeah. And, and and that to that degree, I mean, I think one of the, one of the lessons I learned very early on was well, early boss that said, there's no one's going to manage your own your career. You have to do it yourself. And I think that the moment people realize that they have to manage their own career means that they're a little more vocal, like telling their boss, this is what I'd love to do. You know, I dream of doing X, Y, and Z. And, yeah. and if, if, if they're willing to do that and the boss is willing to say, okay, well, I need X, Y, and Z. So you're let's, let's see if we can bring those two together. And, you know, I've had employees come to me and they have dreams and, you know, they don't have the capabilities of doing it. So I work to see maybe I can get them, you know, transitional roles where they can start gaining the skills to do those. But but in most cases, when someone says, I want to do X, I'm like, let's go. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, um, if you have a dream, you have a desire, make sure you tell somebody about it. Don't keep that hidden because no one's going to manage your career better than yourself. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing I'd add to that, John, is that say the thing, even if you're scared, even if it scares you a little bit, that's kind of right where I want you, you know, I mean, say I want this big challenge and it scares me to death, but I'm, it's, I'm called to it. It's my why it's my purpose. It's what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm scared to death. And here's what I need from you. And here I go. Um, don't wait until you're ready. I don't even know what that means. No one's ready. No one's ready. I've never been ready for any job I've had. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned feedback, and I thought that was important. How, how can leaders uh, do a better job of being generous with their feedback? How can they do that? I You just hit on something that is such a strong value that I have. 
just as a coach as well, I see all of our insecurities out in the open um, and most of us wondering how we're doing. What a waste of time. And so I will directly answer your question, but I first just want to say most of us don't know how we're doing. Mm. And I think the best way we can be more generous with it. I don't think we're generous with feedback unless we're also willing to ask for it. I think if a leader is in self-protection mode and they don't want to be found out, they're like, geez, I hope someone doesn't realize I'm not perfect. I have really great news for you. You're not. Mm. Right. But the more that I think people aren't generous with it, that are afraid of getting it because Mm. they see it as this painful thing, something that's going to take away instead of something that's tremendously additive. We can't grow without it. Most of us say, oh, I'm self-aware. I know everything there is to know about myself. Well, studies have been studies have shown that eight, that eighty five percent of us will say we're self aware. Only fifteen percent of us are. Mm. I want us to live in the real world, not the one that's imagining the worst nightmare. Everybody hates me here, or grandiose. I'm perfect and I can do no wrong. But somewhere in reality, which is how am I doing? Mm. And so I think we get more generous with feedback when we are willing to be open to it. Um, and I think we get just like how habits are formed. Once we start doing it and being generous and we have to do it the right way, right? We're not catching people doing stuff wrong all day long, but when we do it the right way and we start to see people grow and change and get better and the, the results that happen and what happens to our business, we get real attracted to doing it more often. Mm. You said something that really hit home and I've never heard it put that way, but uh, you say I'm an accountability partner. Think of me as an accountability partner. And that's an interesting role as a leader because some leaders do struggle to give feedback because, oh, I, you know, I want Joe to like me. I want Susan. You know, Susan's had a rough couple of weeks. So, you know, and so we make excuses not to give feedback. But what you said is is it made me think that if you think of it as I'm, I'm just an accountability partner, then it's more like I'm helping you get better versus yes. I'm, I'm beating you up on 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 every minor thing. So I'm I'm working as your as your mentor as your guide to help you get better. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, it sets it up as a benevolent gesture. It's almost like creating a contract around feedback. That as your accountability, you can a partner. You can count on me to yeah. feedback what I'm seeing. And so if you said to me or someone says to me, I want, I'm, I, it's been brought to my attention that I interrupt people in meetings. I really want to work on that. Um, and I'm your boss or your accountability. Pro- what am I going to say to you? All right, good luck with that. No, I'm going to say, Hey, that's awesome. I imagine all the wonderful things that would happen when you practice listening twice as much as you speak, what will happen to your followership? What will happen to ideas that come in the room? You know, so you start to get excited and then you say, would it be helpful to you if I shared feedback with you after the next few meetings that we're in, right? So that you can see it clearly. And I'll acknowledge when you're doing it well, so you can see that and you know what to keep doing. And I'd also be happy to share with you when I notice that you're, you know, <laughs> that you are cutting people off or speaking more often than, than was necessary. Um, would that be helpful to you if I gave you that feedback? And now I'm getting your buy-in. Now, now you're craving it. Now you can't wait for it. Mm. you know you're going to get better because of it i imagine if you if you establish a culture like that where feedback is done frequently and it's done as uh in a, in a positive way to help people get better i would imagine it creates a culture of continuous improvement and mm-hmm. what do you think about that 
I think it's true. And I think we, it's not a one size fits all. Um, Ray Dalio was it radical candor, the book that he wrote. And, uh, and I love the concept of that. Just transparency was so great. Um, however, in some of that approach, it feels very blunt to me. Some people like that. Some people like it like a machete between the eyes. You just tell me you've got <laughs> spinach in your teeth. <laughs> and <me>. I'm, <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. But other people like the feedback sandwich, you know, and they want to be reminded how much you care for them before you say you've got spinach in your teeth. And then you remind them that you love them again. Yeah. Um, so I go back to the feedback contract. I, I want us to have a culture of continuous improvement. I think you got a real problem if there's someone on your team and they say, I don't want any. Um, I think you got to have that next conversation. But yeah. the next question is, how do you like to receive feedback? How mm-hmm. often? Every other Tuesday and twice on Sunday. You want it right between the <laughs> eyes. You want me to. What do you need in order to stay open to the feedback? We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Ignite Management Services. Ignite is led by Mike Watson, who you might remember from episode 137. Mike and his team believe that everything starts with leadership, whether it's strategy execution or cultural transformation. It's the role of the leader to create the conditions for their people to succeed. The team at Ignite can help you develop critical habits to enhance your leadership capability and transform your business. Ignite Management is now offering the Resilient Leadership Assessment Tool. This is an online questionnaire designed to assess and guide leadership development, coaching, and team building. It provides leaders an opportunity to gain insights into their leadership strengths and development needs. After taking this assessment, you will receive a custom detailed report that provides practical and actionable recommendations to enhance your effectiveness. I have taken this assessment myself and found it to be extremely valuable in helping me make changes to my leadership approach. Right now, Ignite is offering 15% off the price of this tool to the deep leadership audience. Go to ignitemanagement.ca and enter the code START15 at checkout to get started today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger at Liberty Strength. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. Your energy skyrockets, your sleep improves, your confidence increases, and more. But how can you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best people for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put liberty strength in your corner. Jeremy and his team will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. I've worked with Liberty Strength for the past two years, and I'm in the best shape of my life, and I'm still hitting strength personal records at 56 years old. 
If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at LibertyStrengthTX.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. Yeah, I mean, we we do we do well as leaders to engage our people and ask them questions and hear their hear hear get their ideas for the business, but we don't sometimes ask them just the, like a personal question. How do you like to receive your feedback? I know I I don't typically do that, but I but I think that gives an opportunity to learn from that individual as to what they what you know they might say. Like I just said, I don't like the straight between the eyes, right? I get I I, I can get emotional with that, right? I have mm-hmm. an emotional knee jerk reaction to that. Give me the sandwich. Say <laughs> you did a pretty good job on that on that presentation, John. However. You know, I need that. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Here's what you did well. I love mm-hmm. that. Here are two areas that might they could be because what what we miss as leaders is that people come to us with a lifetime of experience and stories. Mm-hmm. Maybe they grew up in a home where they were criticized all the time, and feedback seems really painful. They don't yet see it as an opportunity. So why wouldn't we ask? How do you want to get it? What is your story around feedback? What is it? What is uh you know, and you can listen a little bit. And a lot of leaders will say to me, God, it sounds like it's going to take a lot of time. You know, what's going to take a lot of time <laughs> is someone hiding out on your team, somebody not bringing you the good stuff, somebody not growing and making the same mistake over and over and over again, because you didn't have the courage or you didn't know how to give this person feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have time for that? Do you have time to rehire? Let's say no, no. Yeah. So get the best out of the people. You know, what is that saying? My dad, so, you know, dance with the one that brung you. Get the best out of the person that's sitting right in front of you. And feedback is a huge part of that. I love it. I love it. I, I, and I wrote about this in my second book. One of the things that I learned as a submarine officer, you know, during my, my time in the military was we couldn't replace an individual. We went we went on, mm-hmm. on deployment with the sailors that we went on deployment with. And so we were gone out at sea for 100 days straight with with the same crew. So you couldn't just fire somebody or you couldn't just, you know, move somebody to another department if they weren't performing. We had to get the best out of the people that we had on the team. And I think that's helped me in in my civilian life to say, okay, well, this is the team I have. And how can I get the best out of the, the folks that I have? And I've always tried to do that versus a lot of people are quick to maybe replace an individual or fire or move move to a different job. I like to try to get the most out of my team in the roles that they're at. Now, sometimes there are, as I say, puzzle pieces that don't fit and we have to work on that. Yeah. But I do think that that's a lesson I learned in the Navy, which was like, okay, like you said, dance with the the, the partner you, you came with, right? And I yeah. think we don't do that enough of that, um, I think, in, in, in the corporate world, at least is what I saw. Yeah. And, you know, sorry, you blew my mind with that. I'm just thinking about that. If if we didn't have as our first knee jerk reaction, you're out of here. You know, like you didn't have that option. I like thinking about it. It's like, have I done everything possible to get the best out of this person? And it's no wonder that employees are hiding out and not bringing us their best because we've treated them as disposable. They know that's usually our first knee jerk reaction. Of course, they're scared. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. We've, we've talked about a number of things uh, so far, but what are some other factors that help drive a high-performing team? Hmm. Wow. I wish we were finished talking about micromanaging, but it's still <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it comes back to, again, just the insecurity of the leader or the accountability partner to not let go. Mm. Uh, 
And so the team performs well. Simon Sinek has this great quote, which is a leader is not responsible for the results. A leader is responsible for the people who are responsible for the results. And if you can think about that, how do I get the most out of these people? Have I been generous enough with feedback? Have I given them a challenge that's just outside the comfort zone to telegraph how deeply I believe in them? Have I given clear direction? Have I set the expectation? Have I you know, the, the feedback along the way. So, ha- so have I done all of those things? Those are huge in a team as well. It's not gobbling everything up for yourself because you don't trust in people. And by the way, as a leader, if you don't trust someone, mm. you might be right, but at least yeah. have the conversation. Gee, I really want to give you this hard project. I really want you to grow here. But I noticed that the last three times I did that, you turned the work in later. It didn't meet the expectation that I thought we'd agreed upon. What do you need in order to deliver at that standard next time? What do you need? And then I'm going to let you know what I need in order to let go. Have the conversation. Sometimes you might be right on. doesn't mean you move right into micromanaging. Say what needs to be true for you to trust that person and let go. But most of us, this is a number that will see if you fall off your chair. Most of us are operating a level to a level and a half below our ability, our capability, our role. Yeah. For lots of reasons. Um, but there are people waiting for you to give them that great project. So be generous with that as well. I think that certainly helps with teams. The one thing you said in the beginning of our discussion that is still is playing in my mind is the idea of, um, you know, an orchestra with a conductor and the conductor being the leader. And one of the things that I thought of first, my first thought that came to my mind was, that orchestra is filled with extremely talented individuals with a very high skill set. But there takes a, it, 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 we do need a leader to bring that, coordinate that all together to make music, to, to achieve the objective. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if, in, and if we have a clarinet player that's, that's, that's off key or is not playing a note, it, it means having that discussion and getting that person back on track Right. But but the idea of coordinating all these high talented individuals to achieve an objective is a really good analogy, a good picture, because it isn't about micromanagement, because, you know, you're you, the conductor doesn't get get down from the stand and say, let me let me show you how to. How to yeah, play. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's in an orchestra. But my point is, is that they they do they they let others do the work and they lead and they coordinate and they bring it all together. It takes practice. It takes, they know, again, they know the objective and they know what the rules are and, and there's practice and that you train and you work together to, to achieve to the point where I would imagine great orchestras, they don't even have to look up at the conductor because they've practiced and they, and they know the routine, they can trust, they trust the conductor and they know what he's going to do or she's going to do. So I think that is a, a really good analogy uh, for what a high-performing team looks like. It's it's high-powered, strong individuals being coordinated by a great conductor. I think that that really that analogy is sticking in my head very strongly. Yeah, yeah. I'll be thinking about it as well. I keep thinking that the it's the, it's this great example of the sum of the parts. There's no individual yeah. instrument or person that's more important than the rest. The song would be different if that person went away. Yeah. Um, so we need each one. Uh, and I think there's a humility in that and a beauty and, um, but you're absolutely right. The conductor doesn't come down and say, let me, let me take, give me that clarinet. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) You're doing it wrong. wrong. (laughs) wrong. He has to let go. 
Yeah, yeah. And same thing, like I think with coaches and sports teams, they have to, they do all the work, but then they step off the field. And I think that's a great analogy for leadership is we may do the work and prep our teams and make sure we have the right people and they're trained properly and they know the rules and know the objectives, but we got to step off the field and let our people do do the job. And I think that's a that's another analogy that works well with that, similar to the conductor, for sure. Yeah. And we need to be confident in order to do that. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Okay, confidence. I can like, doesn't have to be about me anymore. Not about me. Yeah. To, yeah. So I, so uh, I think that cultivating confidence is a critical component. That was a lot of C words. That was the alliteration portion of our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I love alliteration. So yeah, <laughs> but cultivating confidence is so critical for leadership. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let, let's talk a little bit about emotional intelligence. <clears throat> like why, why does that matter for leadership effectiveness? Why do we need uh, EQ? You know, we hear we hear it talked about. Um, why is that important? Well, I'll hit you with another stat first, and then I decide for a reason. I'll tell you. <laughs> but ninety percent of top performers also have high EQ, so we know it's important. The more senior we get, the more reading the room, knowing ourselves, being able to shift gears just because I feel like screaming or I'm frustrated. I'm not sure that's the best thing to telegraph to the team. So I can shift into something else at any time. Um, McKinsey calls it practicing deliberate calm. Mm. You you can choose your reaction to anything. You can choose not to have one. Um, So it's really important. And the more senior you get, the more your work becomes about relationship building and uh, enrolling, empowering, unleashing, right? It's just different, but you can't do that unless you know yourself and the levers in you and unless you can read that room. If you're, if you, I mean, think, just imagine in a boardroom, a conference room, if all I'm thinking about is myself, like, God, I hope I sound smart. I hope something stupid comes out of my mouth. You know, it's the, it's, um, that's the opposite of the EQ too. I can't read the room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I'm thinking about me. So it's a we, it's a we equation. And it's important. It, most of us, I'm sure it won't take long to think about being on the other side of someone who didn't have high EQ. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And wasn't reading the room and how that made you feel. Um, that great Maya Angelou quote, we'll never remember what someone said or did, but we'll never forget how they made us feel. Yeah. We'll how that boss made us feel. It's frustrating. It's annoying. Yeah. And if leadership, a, a big component of that is about followership, you're going to turn around. Nobody's going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> You know, um, can we learn emotional intelligence? Can we develop that? Or is that something we're born with? What What are your thoughts on that? Can we develop? Yeah, that? I think it's both. I think there's some nature and I think there's some nurture. Uh, I just want to be real honest. Of course, you can learn it. Hmm. And it comes more naturally to some people than others. Um, I think the common denominator is the more we're willing to look at ourselves and say, geez, I'm not perfect. I'm just here to learn. The better able you'll be at connecting with people in that EQ. But but the truth is, some of us are born into this world and we think before we feel. We're quite decisive. We want to know things. We want to be certain. And that's not bad. Sometimes the stakes are high. That can be really helpful on a team. There are other people who are so empathetic on that EQ component, like so able to read the room um, that there are clients of mine that have trouble making a decision, not because they're indecisive, but Uh because they can actually empathize with what everyone's point of view just was in the room. They're like, God, that's a great point, right? They're so empathetic. And so it comes a little bit more naturally, but there are many leaders that I work with that don't naturally have an other orientation they don't naturally want to listen. They want to speak. Um, their first thought uh, 
you know, is to, is to say what they think. Right. Yeah. And so we work on that empathy and we work on that listening and, you know, just like that gear shift, they can practice new behaviors that will make them magnetic, that will help them become the leader everybody wants to work with and for. So some of us have a little more at birth maybe than others. Um, Listen, no matter who I'm working with, we've all got stuff to work on. Uh, But it definitely, all you need to do is want to do the work. All you need to do is be brave. So if you're that person who you you start to have signals like, maybe I I don't have high EQ. There's a guy I was working with. He said, God, every conversation I have never goes the way I thought it was going to. Someone's crying or they're upset. I'm just trying to help. (laughs) What do you think we worked on? EQ, reading cues. And we got to practice that. And now he's just amazing. He's, he still brings all that decisiveness and he's still direct with his feedback, meaning I care about you, but he's able to massage things so that people can hear it. He's able to be in a room and have other people feel heard and know that they matter. And he's unstoppable. Absolutely unstoppable. Mm, That's, that's fantastic. And I think you touched on something in the early parts of this conversation too, which was having a mindset, having a growth mindset means that you're you're willing to say I don't know it all, even if like for myself I've been doing it for three decades. I've lead, led people in the military, uh, in corporate, and in a startup company for thirty plus years, and I'm I keep saying every day like I how come so much that I didn't know, and I'm still learning every day. And and the idea of being a lifelong learner, having a growth mindset, looking to get better every day, I think that that alone can help you become a better leader and focus on the areas where you might be weak. And I think just having that mindset is a big part of becoming mm-hmm. a better leader. Yeah, absolutely. Well yeah. said. So what uh, what final message would you like to leave with our audience? The one you just said, John. No, <laughs> I, I think, I believe that we graduate into leadership without really acknowledging the tremendous opportunity, responsibility, ownership that we can take over these people Mm. and their growth and their lives. It's not just work. You know that it's life. And so I keep thinking about, especially as a parent, you know, we did, I didn't need a license to become a mom. I wish there, I I had one. (laughs) She's a teenager now. I don't know how I'm doing. (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, not literally, but a license to lead, right? Go ask the questions, go be brave every day, wake up and say, what don't I know? What am I good at? Ask that question too. be proud of the the gifts that you have, but every day also say, what don't I know yet? Yet. Um, And then go find out and be that leader who's willing to ask the question to say, Hey, what's your experience of being on the other side of me? What don't I know? What do you need from me? It's a, it's the best sense of humility. Wait till you see what you get from your people when you start there. Um, so do the work, be self-aware. If you're not naturally, if you don't think you know how you're showing up, welcome to the club. No one does. Go ask. Mm. Go ask. Fantastic advice. Listeners, I hope that you got that all. Uh, really good advice from Maureen here. Um, how can listeners find out more about you and your services? Yeah. Um, so I am the lead coach and trainer at Strong Training and Coaching. And uh, the work that I've been doing for the past five years does not feel like work. Um, <laughs> and I want your work to feel the same way. And so, yes, we would love it if you reach out. Um, you can find us at markstrongcoaching.com. And uh, myself and all of the amazing people on our team lead from, you may have never heard this statement before, we lead from love. 
Um, we lead from compassion and uh, seeing the whole person. And we meet people where they're at so we can help them go be strong again. And we do that through coaching and training. And um, and we always are looking for opportunities to do more of it. So thanks for asking, John. Uh, fantastic. And we'll go ahead and put links in the show notes for those resources. I highly encourage you listeners to check it out. Maureen's got some great insight. She's seen leadership from all different angles and she has learned and she can help you as well. So I highly encourage you to check out uh, the website and the link below and learn a little bit more about what they do and what they could do for you and your team. So Maureen, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing from your experiences and giving us some things to think about with respect to high performing teams. So thank you for coming on the show. It was my absolute pleasure, John. Thank you. Thank you again. Well, that is it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews.